Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Death Holler. I'm the Reverend Dr. Death, and joining me as always is La Urena. This episode, we are discussing Graduation Day from 1981. Tagline, the class of 81 is running out of time. Mm, that's not the worst. No, uh, definitely not the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, directed by Herb Freed, written by Anne Maurice Herb Freed and David Bond. Uh, music by Arthur Kempel. Made on a budget of two hundred fifty thousand, uh, probably one of the lowest budgets we've seen thus far. It made twenty three point nine million. That is a hell of a return. On oh a movie. wow! Oh yeah! <laughs> God damn! Um, principal players in this one: Patch McKenzie plays Anne Ramstead, uh, the uh, final girl in this movie, older sister to the track star that died from an embolism. Uh, she was in It's Alive 3, Island of the Alive, and Dark Tower from 1987. Nice. We, <clears throat> we have E. Danny Murphy playing Kevin, who is our slasher, uh, and the boyfriend to the deceased track star. Uh, we have E.J. Peeker playing Blondie, the school secretary, and Ho. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Michael Pataki plays Guglioni, uh, the uh, principal and the uh, uh, real sleazebag. Uh, Richard Balin plays Roberts, the music teacher, who's a child molester. Um, Carmen Argonziano plays Halliday, the detective trying to solve the murders. Beverly Dixon plays Elaine Ramstead, who is absolutely clueless mother to both Anne and Laura. Probably what? gets the worst mother award yeah. in all the movies. <laughs> Played in another film called Beyond Evil. Um, Hal Boker plays Ronald Corliss, the drunken stepfather to Anne, and a complete bastard of an individual. He's a creeper. He's real bad across the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vanna White's actually this movie, a young Vanna White. Wait, what? I didn't even realize. Her name is Doris in the film, and she's one of the girls who uh, is both scared by another actress in the movie and also later uh, thinks they're being attacked by Coach Michaels whenever he grabs the saber and kind of has his nut moment toward the end of the film or toward the end of the movie. That can be taken so out of context. Yeah, it could be. (laughs) Um, uh, Virgil Fry plays McGregor, who's a totally useless stoner cop. Uh, Ruth Ann Lawrence plays Laura Ramstead, the deceased track star. Linda Shane plays Paula Brentwood, the overachiever they got got. Um, seriously, folks, um, I don't know how many times this be say, said, like the you know the people who uh, you know thought that they could climb Mount Everest are the ones that are basically decorating its sides with their corpses. <laughs> uh, same same thing goes with it. if your friends are all going to have their pictures taken, don't randomly take it upon yourself to go on a run beforehand because you're pre- prepping for track, uh, especially by yourself. Because I mean that's a recipe for somebody to to shank you on the way. Just throwing that out there. Um, Denise. Cheshire plays Sally Prescott, the gymnast with PTSD. Carl Ray plays Ralph Johnson, the football track star. Uh, Bill Huffsey plays Tony Fisk, uh, Dolores' boyfriend and fuck buddy. <laughs> Linnea Quigley plays Dolores. Wait, uh, who's what? <laughs> yeah, that's Linnea Quigley that plays the, the lady who uh, shows her tits and smokes some joints. I mean, that's what? her. <laughs> Why? Did, what is wrong with me? it's a very very young Linnea Quigley like this is the first film uh that she did that was like actually like considered legit like movie like she'd done one other picture before this like that this is her first time in a movie ever okay um and and Tom Hentonos plays Pete McFarland, another overachiever, uh, and uh, gets uh, decides he goes to go out with a pole vault and practice whenever people are dying left and right. And Christopher George plays George, uh, Coach George Michaels, who's obsessed with winning at all costs. And he was in uh, City of the Dead that I kind of mentioned that I watched in like a cold open, which we will be seeing during zombie season. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, synopsis shortly after the shocking death of the uh, school track star the teens of Midvale High School are getting ready to graduate returning from Guam the dead teen's sister Anne is home to see her sister's friends graduate and to pay her last respects um, 
It is around the arrival of Anne that the rest of the track team begins dying off one by one, and at least one person in town is trying to get to the bottom of the killings. Uh, school fencing gear turns deadly. Pot and tits makes for a good mix. And overachievers are punished. Graduating from high school has never been so deadly. That's not a bad tagline. That's not too bad, yeah. Uh, body counts, nine. Not too bad. That's better than the last few, uh, you know, um, nightmare movies that we covered with only three people dying in any one of them. Yeah. <clears throat> we have Laura Ramstead who dies from a blood clot, unfortunately. Kind of tragic. Her coach pushing her too far to do too much. Uh, Paula Brentwood has her throat slashed by Kevin with a knife. Sally Prescott is stabbed through the neck by Kevin with a saber. Ralph Johnson is impelled by Kevin via football tipped with a javelin. Uh, Tony Fisk is decapitated by Kevin with a saber. Dolores is sliced off screen by Kevin with a saber and then later decapitated. Pete McFarlane is impelled on a spike trap set up by Kevin. So this is the second time that metal spikes, you know, figure into people dying in what we've covered. Yeah. And then uh, Coach George Michael is shot by Inspector Halliday. And then Kevin Badger himself is impaled against Pete's body that he left the spikes in for some ungodly known reason, uh, unknown reason. So quotes from Dolores, it must be nice to be a boy. You can piss anywhere you want. Uh, Tony, the world's my toilet. Ah, Rose. <laughs> uh, truck driver. Oh, fucking graduation day. They make a big deal out of it. Like it was something special or something. That's a, I, I put that in there just so you could get the level of dialogue we're talking about yeah. you know, in this movie. Uh, Guglioni, uh, what do you say I come by your place later on with a bottle of wine after you're finished? Hmm? And then Blondie, you know something, Mr. Guglioni? And he's like, hmm, you're a real bastard. And then she pauses, okay, make it around midnight. Oh. <laughs> Faux show. Uh, other taglines in this movie, the class of 81 is running out of time. You know, you get the running theme from the track. Oh, and the shut time of the up. Stopwatch. Oh, my God. There are 200 seniors at Midvale High and seven days till graduation. The class of 81 is running out of time. A That's little a too long. version yeah. of the same thing. We're, get, we're getting too long there. Uh, this is one school you don't or you won't want to graduate from because I guess that means you'll die if you do. Um, the Midvale track team will soon be running for their lives. That's better. Yep. Because and it's only some, track team related. Yes. And finally, some kids are dying to graduate. Okay. I'll take that's that one. Bad. Yeah, that's not too terrible. All right. Uh, discussing this movie. This is the cheapest slasher oh that we have seen. Oh, my God. It's <laughs> terrible. Like, the Giallos we've reviewed are better than this. Oh, for sure. I mean, especially the ones that we covered, I mean, with... Uh, the, uh, I mean, from the masters, I mean, of the jellos, I mean, like they at least put like an artistry to like how they lit the movie, the colors they use, like this is straight up like bottom of the barrel. Like, you know, let's throw something on film. Cause these slasher movies seem to be popping right yeah. now. So do something with this here kiddos, you know, <laughs> what do we got? A graduation? Mean, this is the movie that I talked about that has that day for night shit going on. Yeah. With scene in particular with Linnea Quigley when she's trying to run away from the killer. You can look. There's a scene where, like, they cut some of it at night, I think. There's a scene where she's looking off in the distance to the party that she just left. And I, I still don't understand why she didn't go back inside the building. But that's beyond, you know, the what we're talking about here. Uh, but anyways, while she's still outside... You can see when she's looking at the building that it's nighttime when she looks at the building, but then whenever it shows behind her in that little uh, wooded area, the garden that they were in or whatever that was on the, the campus, um, it was clearly daytime because the way the light was done, but they turned down the, the the actual contrast on the movie to make it look like it was darker around Linnea Quigley. Like, it stands out like nobody's business if they turn <laughs> during the daytime. Oh, my God. Uh, and that's what they do in these older movies whenever they didn't have the budget to afford, like, not, you know, good lighting for nighttime scenes. They would just film during the day and then just change it and post, and that's what they did. Mm -hmm. um, the rest of the movie is flat. Like, it's not got that film look to it at all. It, it looks very, like, amateurish, like, the whole way through. Um, I don't even – the only scenes that kind of stood out as being, like, semi-competently, like, lit and all that are, like, the ones where um, – 
the main final girl in the movie Anne is like laying in bed or whatever and she's and you know like toward the end of the movie and like she has like her stepfather break in and she thinks that it's Kevin come back to finish her off or whatever and then like you know that that's the only scene that looks halfway yeah like lit the right way um yeah just the rest of the movie's natural lighting and that sort of thing yeah you almost don't want this movie lit too well because you're not gonna see anything of of any I don't know, like greatness. Like the kills aren't good. The decapitated head looks awful. <laughs> it straight up looks bad. Like whatever uh, Tony Fisk or whatever head comes off. Yeah. And like Dolores sees it later, like laying in like some kind of thorn bush or rose bush or yeah. whatever it was. Like it, it looks awful. It's like one of the worst decapitated heads. And then like the only scene in the movie that looked semi well done to me was the scene where the saber goes through one of the girl's necks and like you can kind of see it coming out the backside. The effects on that were okay. They wasn't great, but they were okay. I mean, uh, I didn't like it watching it from the front. The back once you see it in the back, yeah, it's better. I thought the better one it's dumb, but it's still at least it covers up for the fact that this is also cheaply done is when the football gets thrown. That's true. Yeah. Uh, I will give them credit for this though, because uh, we've seen it so much in our movies. We don't give it credit for that, that it was done. Well, the squibs exploding when the coach gets shot by Halliday are actually, they, they, they look okay. Yeah. Like, I mean, whenever he gets shot that, that, that can come out the wrong way and like that. And actually there was a time period there in the late nineties, early two thousands where they went digital with that sort of shit and it looked really bad. So yeah. I'll give them credit for using real squibs and like making it look decent. So, yeah. uh, the story is just kind of like run of the mill. Mm-hmm. I mean, like girl dies, her boyfriend turns psycho, even gets her body back out or digs it back up in a Norman Bates type scenario. And, um, uh, and then just, you know, he, he goes around killing the people that he blamed for her being that way, even though the track team had nothing to do with it. So I don't know. I mean, I understand him going after coach Michaels who pushed her too hard, but like the rest of the track team, like, why did they have anything to do with her death? I mean, I, we're talking about a psychopath, but still it's like, I'm trying to, you know, think of it, it, what in his mind, like triggered it to think that the rest of them were to blame for her being pushed too hard to run. Well, they didn't show it in the movie. The only thing I could come up with in my own mind, my dumb explanation to explain away the dumbness, is that maybe, like, they they should have shown, like, the track team, like, bullying her. That would have been better if they would have been like, you're just not doing enough, you know. It's uh, Laura, you're not like, uh, I think that was her name, but, like, you're just not, like, doing enough. You're, the team's looking bad because of you yeah. or something, you know. Then that would have made more sense. Yeah, because they didn't. They didn't do that. And so you're just like, well, why the fuck do they all die? I can understand wanting to kill the coach because maybe the coach is pushing her too hard. He even kind of admits it to Ann later on whenever she catches him in the, uh, mm. in like the metal sh- wood shop, whatever it was. Like, yeah. And, and, and he's like, you know, he, he mentioned somebody how he loved her and that can take creepy vibes. Yeah. But like he has a, is a whole scene before that where he's like, He's like, I, I didn't push her too hard. I was just trying. I saw the best in her, and it's like, yeah, that sounds like somebody who knows that they – and he even shows it in the movie too because the one girl's like having the PTS flashbacks while she's trying to do the balance bar routine, and he won't leave her alone. Like yeah. She keeps falling, and he's like, get the fuck back up there. And she's like – and then the other guy's like, it's totally cool. I've got everything we need. And he's like, no, she's making us look bad. So yeah. it, the coach definitely was to blame. It's just that, I mean, given the context of the movie, I just don't understand why Kevin – blame the rest of the team on top of that. There was no context given why he blamed them. I wonder if they were just trying to make him look like excessively psycho. Like if the team in general didn't exist, she would have never died. I don't, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, you're talking about somebody who dug up his like, you know, uh, dead girlfriend and then like, you know, was keeping her basically in his, in the room with him. Yeah. You know, kind of, like I said, in Norman Bates fashion. So there's that. Um, which by the way, in girls, there's another link to, to, to psycho in uh, girls, not out maniac is referenced. Uh, he's talking to Teddy at one point and he's, and they mentioned psycho as a movie that they both love or something. So that's kind of <laughs> yeah. to hint at you that, you know, why he's red herring. Cause he's just like Norman Bates. You no. know, but, uh, but anyways, um, 
Yeah, I don't know. It, it, it was just an excuse around another holiday. Again, they were like looking. It's like what events have not been mined yet, and it's like graduation day. So I mean, you know, and they they just threw a, the most threadbare plot together. Like for instance, the fact that Anne has been the Guam. She's in the Navy, yet she uses none of that in the movie. Like no, she's yeah. the most. I mean, this is getting the final girl territory in the Death Holler Awards. She's the most worthless final girl that, oh, that yeah. we have yet to cover. Like she, she has better training than any final girl has ever had, and uh, in theory, and she does nothing. This guy, Mm-mm. this teenage boy, just runs ramshackle over her. Like she has no, uh, you know, any, any kind of defense against him through most of the. I mean, and he literally dies because of a mistake uh, more than her actually taking back oh uh, yeah you know, in, any of the fight she um they set her up to be like this awesome person like oh she's gonna get to the bottom of this she's gonna figure it out and she technically does but not i feel like everything i feel like it was she, all by accident she falls into it like, yeah the whole entire thing um and 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 her being away and has no bearing on the plot whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, really, the fact that they have an abusive father or stepfather doesn't factor in the movie. Like, I, if this was done competently, if the script was actually, if they, the, uh, I know they were trying to paint, uh, and we'll get into that in the trivia a little bit about how everybody in the movie has like some kind of thing that the killer wears at some point. Uh, the, at least the main characters, Coach Michaels, uh, Anne. Uh, there's like one or two other people. They have the gloves. They have like the sweatshirt, whatever it is. But if they were wanting to comp, uh, paint the picture of her as a red herring to be the killer, then they should have like focused more on the fact that of how like the relationship with her stepfather like made her that way, or and maybe or and maybe like had scenes flashing back to show how Laura was like you know pushing herself so hard at school because like she was trying to get away from a bad home life yeah. or or something like that, but you don't have any of that in the movie. So you, you basically just have like the most like just thrown together stuff to kind of like, you know, go off of. Yeah. Um, I actually think this would be, if they were going to remake a slasher, this is actually a good base foundation concept. If they could just rework the, the plot and work some of that other stuff in. Cause psychologically that stuff's interesting. They just never address it in the movie. Yeah, there's a lot of things they don't do in this movie. <laughs> uh, acting in the movie. Um, mm. If you can call it acting. I mean, it's it's bad. <laughs> it's I hate really to bad. say that one of the better actors in this film was Laurel right before she dies. I'm just kidding. <laughs> she looked like she was fucking struggling. But um, the, the... Oh, speaking of struggling, this is getting off topic. When Anne's running away from the killer at the end of the movie, that is the, I don't know if you noticed as much as I did, but I was laughing at how bad it was because you got this person who was in the Navy, you know, well-trained going back to that. She's running with her head kind of held at a weird angle. Like it's, it's really slow motion. Yeah. Like this weird, like way that she's like moving. And I'm just like, what the fuck is this? Like, I mean, (laughs) she looked like she was dying of an embolism while she was running. Yeah. You know, uh, and then that scene at the beginning of the movie, going back to that with Laura, I mean, to get back to your point, they cut so many times. It was like that scene from uh, Monty Python and the, and the Holy Grail where uh, somebody's at a castle and they see John Cleese off in the distance and he's riding up. And they sit there and they like, and, and then they, it cuts back to him. And then it goes back to him and he's the same distance away as he was before and he keeps coming forward and it cuts back to him. It does this like five times and eventually he just. He, appears out of nowhere and kills the person yeah and i felt the same way watching this movie watching laura run because it cuts back and it's like god how long is she gonna take her to get across the finish line she's not moved it like every time that she moves she's farther back (laughs) i don't know if you noticed that but i did whenever i was like seeing that scene no because this movie (laughs) was i'm just gonna say it now it was just a a snooze fest so i was kind of in it was bad. Like I don't. I, I, I di- when I was finished with it, I'm like, God, I, this is going to be bad. I don't know how she's going to make it through this. <laughs> I, I had to hit this in like three different times to finish it. That's how bad it was for me. The struggle was real, and yes, I think I think it was two for me because uh, I just couldn't. I I was struggling to get to the end of this film. Um, 
Yeah, the only comparison Hell High, I was fascinated with the yes. entire movie. The only reason I broke it up into two was because it was I was trying to watch it during work day, uh, like a day after I'd worked, and like I got like tired really early. But like, I mean, I was totally invested in that movie the whole way through. I was like, I really want to finish this. This is good, you know. Yeah. Um, in not, terms of this. going back to acting, in terms of the only person that really kind of made me feel like they were putting in the effort, unfortunately, was the drunken stepfather. He really irked me. I think he did a good job in in pissing you off as a stepdad. He did, yeah. Um, the, the stoner cop was was not acting. I mean, that was just like I mean that I could do a better job than that. And I can't act. I mean, it's you know, um, Linnea Quigley. You can tell is like one of her first movies. She's just there to show her tits and uh, you know basically uh, hit on a guy. That's all they hired her for. Literally, when I get in the trivia, that's why she was hired because the girl who was supposed to play Dolores. Uh, at the last second said that she wouldn't show her tits. So they, they canned her and got Linnea in at the last second. Um, <laughs> and then like the only other person in the movie that had any acting chops, I felt like was coach Michaels. And I yeah. didn't think they were great, but he was okay. Yeah. I mean, it was a better effort. We'll just say. Uh, and the music, uh, the music, it, <laughs> Not memorable. Not memorable at all. Like mm-hmm. uh, at least prom scene, night had at least the music went with what was happening. Prom night had the the disco music. Uh, Girls night out had actually legit good songs in it. And you know while the, the DJ was playing, while that the scavenger hunt was going on, and then Hell High had like that one scene on the football field where there was like this quintessential like eighties style like you know like carefree music type pop song or whatever that's going on. That was actually, it was actually a fun song to listen to. This had nothing like yeah. it just there. Um, <laughs> I'd say it across the board, this was a big dud for me. So I'm sure it was bad for you too. Well, yeah, it was, it was something. I just don't know how it made that much fucking money. Like the only thing I can think of is that because it had tits, it had you <laughs> know, it had the kills. This had to have been a movie that people took their dates to uh, while they fu- fucked and smoked joint, or you know, like marijuana or whatever, yeah. in in a drive drive in theater back in the day. That's literally, I mean, a lot of these movies. That's the reason slashers were popular back in the eighties. To be perfectly honest, like they didn't care about the stories; they just wanted to see people dying, people fucking, and yeah. people like doing drugs, and they got on. Uh, and this movie had that. So, um, and that's the only thing I can think of of why it made so much money for the people who made this. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. It, it, you know, we were hitting an era where this was becoming popular. So a lot of people flocked to it and not knowing what they were getting into. And not only that, though. So they probably flocked to it maybe in groups, you know, if they're like, oh, let's all go see this Friday night. So you didn't get a chance to tell your friends this was fucking terrible. That or you didn't care because you got to doing other things, you know? I think it was that more than anything. It was like they knew the 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 theater was gonna be filled with other horny teens that wasn't giving two shits. So they they it was it was in the background and like whenever if one of these kills happened to scare their girlfriend, that was a perfect opportunity to throw their arm around them and it was down to pound town. That was yeah. why, why they took them to these movies. Oh my god. Yeah. So the <laughs> It makes sense. And not only that, we didn't have the social media where we could go on and be like, that movie fucking blew donkey balls, you know? Well, and something else is like, uh, you know, our generation and younger gets accused of like having shorter attention spans than we do. I'm not going to, uh, you know, when I hear the 10 minute cut of Inagata DeVita, I'm like, you should have been hanged and, and, <laughs> and shot for war crimes for making this song. Uh, but back in the day, I mean, like them and like, you know, that band and Led Zeppelin, the reason they had like their concerts that had like these 20 minute, like, you know, interludes or whatever in the middle was a, so that the people, the, the player, you know, most of the people on stage besides whoever was doing the solo, the, you know, there would be like a guitarist left or a drummer. The other guys would go under the stage and fuck uh, the groupies. So that's yeah. one reason why they did it. The other reason was because people were so fucking high they just sat there yeah. on LSD and everything else. They were just like, man, I'm just grooving this wave. You know, like they didn't <laughs> care, you know, like nowadays it's like, yeah, yeah, this, this notes went on too long. Can we fucking get to the point yeah. of the song? Can we hear more about that wet ass pussy? I'm tired of this shit. Let's <laughs> go. You know, it's like, <laughs> so I feel like it's a, it's a generational thing. Like watching this movie is like 
is like listening to Led Zeppelin, like put on like a 20 minute, like version of, you know, uh, I'm trying to remember, uh, like stairway to heaven or something. It's like, <laughs> I don't have the attention span for this shit. Let's get to it folks. Let's go. Oh my you know? God. You know, what's so funny is that I went to a Foo Fighters concert a couple years ago and we had some really good seats. So you think, okay, fucking Foo Fighters, they played almost all the fucking hits and they had two encores at the end. But after every song, they jammed for about five or more minutes. Oh, that sounds so painful. It was, I have never, like, how dare I be at an amazing Foo Fighters concert and be like, okay, next song. And like, when they wanted to do the second encore, I'm over here like, no, no. See, I don't mind whenever you can clearly tell that, like, the lead singer and maybe the lead guitarist or whoever it is needs a break, and so they they kind of, like, leave the drummer to kind of keep a beat or something. Yeah. It's, like, for a few minutes, and they come back. I've seen that before. That's fine, you know. But, like, to jam after, no, 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 no. I would be like, uh, I I need to get to the house. Let's get this over with. I need to go to bed. I'm tired. I don't know if you know we're pretty fucking old. Like your yeah, fans, your audience is not young. Yeah, they don't have a long attention span either. Like we're right there in that perfect like storm that we're too old to like wait and our attention spans are not that great either. So let's get it over with. Well, and then the problem is too, is that, yeah, they technically Dave Grohl took a break, but he took a break to go hit the drums while fucking his drummer took the lead singing and his, uh, or his, well, the one who passed away, but you know. He started singing, and I'm glad I got to experience that before he passed. But anyways, uh, The conspiracy theorists say that Dave Grohl sacrificed him, if you want to, like, throw – I'll just throw that out there. I thought that was kind of a a dark and, like, very bad take, but that's what I've heard. Like, you know, because they they got this whole thing where they say Dave Grohl, like, him and Courtney – or what is that right? Courtney Love is that 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 was yeah. That, uh, basically, they were the ones behind uh, Kurt Cobain dying and uh, suiciding himself, and there's that whole thing behind that if you look into it. But then they they say it's how you know Dave Grohl got famous. Uh, he was offered that. It's like if you take him out, then you've paid your penance. You know, you can be famous. And then, um, and I, I'm not saying I agree with any of this. I'm just saying that's what yeah. the theory is. But they're saying that uh, because of some of the stuff that he's into, and they say that that Studio Six 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 is kind of like a behind the like oh showing a little God. bit behind. Like I don't believe that either. But like they're saying that yeah. like, that shows that he's into that stuff. That his drummer dying was was a sacrifice, you know, that to keep being relevant. Uh, <sighs> just thought that's that's what the the conspiracy is on that. I feel like maybe he's heard this before and he capitalized. I think so it. too. And I think he's heard enough. I say it's good for like him. Stan, it's almost like Stanley Kubrick in The Shining. He put, you know, like the rocket ship or whatever on Danny's, like, you know, PJs so that people are like, I told you he fucking faked the moon landing. And it's like, you know, whether you believe he did or not, it's just like he's playing into it, you know. Well, <laughs> here's the thing too. It's like, okay, you've come up with that theory. And let's just for entertainment value say that you're right. Okay, what are you going to do? What are we going to do? What the fuck are we going to do about it? Yeah. uh, Who's going to, who's going to go and prosecute? Who's, I mean, if, if that is true, then clearly somebody higher up is, who's got a lot of money is behind it. So you're not, it's never going to get moved on. So Uh, I mean, are we going to do a devil's advocate? Are we going to have the devil as your fucking lawyer or running in the lawyer firm? (laughs) Do we have to, do we have to like get him to join us in a fucking fiddle jam to see who wins? <laughs> <laughs> I bet you so. I'll give you a, a good drum set. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. And getting back to him taking on the drumming thing. What were you going to say about all that? I just had to throw it in there because it's, no, it's that something was, that's been talked about. That was just it. It was a very long concert, and I was tired, and I wanted to go home. <laughs> I don't understand why anybody this day would do something like that. Like at least keep the songs rotated out and like something fresh or whatever. I mean, I would get if like the weekend wanted to like do two of his albums back to pack. People would be like, this is long, but hell yeah. Like we like, we love his music. At least yeah. he's keeping it flowing. You yes. Know, like, yes. Whatever. 
Um, and here's the thing, too, is I don't take drugs, and I ha- never have. I take insulin, folks. Like, <laughs> that's a, And if I have too much insulin with no food because I'm at a concert too long, waiting for it to end, I'm going to get low in sugar. I'm not going to get high. So... <laughs> I mean, the side effects are maybe similar, but in a, in a bad way. <laughs> in a bad way. Oh, my God. That's just, it's just so funny. I, I I don't take drugs, so I couldn't enjoy it. Probably like some other people enjoyed it there. So hopefully they were on some fucking crank because you needed it. But getting back to what brought us to this point is just that I – I, I, this is definitely one of those, like you can tell it's like, put it on the background while we fuck type movies, because there is nothing to this movie that, that stands out to me as being that great. No, this movie is actually really, really good for if you want a, a sleeper horror on and you just want to go to sleep to the soothing sounds of random music spiking and maybe a short scream and stabbing, horrible stabbing sounds. I would give you one other scenario where this is be good, or actually two. A drinking game, yes. if you wanted to do that, or uh, MST3K type scenario oh! where you sit with your buddies and you just blast this movie like as it's going along. We need to do that one of these days. I don't know how we would accomplish that. But uh, we would have to like have a scenario where we have like the movie playing somewhere close by while we're recording and just sit there and we're like talking back and forth. And it's like, you know, an admission, it's like, oh, here, here's Blondie again. She's getting ready to hoe it up for Guglielmi or whatever. <laughs> you know, it's like you know, one of those things. Um, oh, my God. I mean, I'm sure we could do it, but with like screen sharing, almost like Zoom. Yeah, yeah, that would that would work, but that's the one scenario where I could see this movie being good because it is one of those bad movies that you could sit there and make fun of. Oh my god, we should fucking do that! It'd be a total <laughs> rip off, but it'd be hilarious. Uh, there's plenty of people that does it. So I mean, fan commentaries like Dead Pitts, famous for theirs, and they, I mean they'll mention some things about movies they like, but then they'll also make fun of the stuff as it goes along. Because I mean, let's face it, a lot of these slashers, even the good ones, they have like goofy shit in them. I mean, that's why we have the dumbest moment, you know, award because I mean, there's always something stupid going on in them. So, <laughs> oh my uh, trivia for this movie because this is actually short trivia i mean there's a lot in the individual blocks but there's not much to it so the blonde girl in number 46 track jersey was cut out of the film as much as possible since she was fired due to refusal to fulfill the nudity requirements that's when Linnea quigley was hired on uh quigley talked about her big break in a 2004 interview i got graduation day by going in and having to act scared the other this other girl had already been cast as dolores but once she got on the set she refused to show her breasts so they called me and i was scared too but i wanted to do the film so badly and back then it was like a huge no-no to refuse to do nudity uh so i guess i got lucky uh it wasn't her first time to do nude scenes she had already been fully nude in previous films including one where she played a 15 year old even though she was 21 at the time who danced naked uh during a movie audition wow um, and that's one thing I'm going to mention before we get to the awards. These are not the best showing of Linnea Quigley's breasts. No. Like I was very unhappy with that because she, I mean, clearly <laughs> we've seen Silent Night, Deadly Night. Yeah. She is stacked in that movie. And I don't know if it, she got implants and that's the reason she was stacked or if just growing up, like you said, but she's got like very small, they're not saggy, but they're very small in this movie. Like, they are. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Hold on. And we know that she's got big ones, too, in, like, Nightmare, because when she presses those against, like, that, you know, Freddy skin or whatever in that one scene, like, they're out there. Like, they're really poking out, so. Yeah, um, I'm looking again. I don't know. Yeah, they do. Yeah. I can't, t- and I know we have this debate. I can't tell if she got implants or not. That I mean, I will give her surgeon credit. They they looked good, like later on, like they they look natural, even if they wasn't. And we and and I did mention as we get older and we put on she never put on a ton of weight, but when you do put on weight, some women are lucky and they get it in the tit. So. <sighs> I mean, I'm going to err on the side that they were implants because they look so good later on. But like, still, it's a disappointment watching this movie because they are not there. Um, there is a movie later on if we ever go back to like covering just demonic movies, like just demons in general, not the the Satan stuff, but just demon movies uh, called Nightmare Sisters, where her and like two other screen queens basically go from like ugly, like 
duckling like uh, college students to like uh, being becoming succubi as it were and like they're really putting it out there they they are all stacked in that movie so I mean uh, that one is definitely showing more of her assets as it were so um so okay again oh, this is the second podcast I feel like in a row that I'm looking at Linnea Quigley's boobs but yeah there's sometimes when they're super super implanty looking but also, there was a point in her career where if she did indeed have implants, they were lopsided. Um, and and they, they looked natural lopsided. So it's, I don't know. It's weird. It's, it's, it's tough. I mean, looking at this movie, they are super small in this movie. Oh, yeah, they're small that. and they're kind of flappy. I don't know how women with small titties get such flappy boobs, but, you know, whatever. But yeah, that's uh, that's where we're at with that. I mean, on that part of it. But uh, she was still willing to bear them, so that's why she got the movie. Yeah. Uh, at the time of the film's release, there was a backlash from critics against the overabundance of slasher films being made. Oh, these sweet children of, of summer. I mean, they <laughs> did not know what they were in for. I mean, this was '81 for God's sakes, and they were complaining about an abundance of slashers, folks. You strapped in because you you got a whole decade of this shit to go through. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyways, uh, so in a form of protest, many critics refused to pr- to review any horror movies in hopes that the lack of print publicity would have a negative impact on the film's profits. As a result, Graduation Day did well upon its premiere in Los Angeles, which coincided with many schools' graduation, but not as well on the East Coast where it received no reviews from critics whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, shot in three weeks, so that's pretty close to what we talked about with uh, Prom Night. I mean, you're talking about literally a month to get the whole thing done, so that explains, you know, but Prom Night had legit acting in it versus yeah. this. So. Uh, the skating extras and the roller rink were paid $5 each. <laughs> basically, <laughs> admission to get into a skating rink now or something. Yeah, yeah, basically. Uh, the uh, felony didn't charge any money for the use of their songs that are featured on the soundtrack. That's the band that's playing during the skating rink. And speaking of that, that is music that's in the movie and it's so bad. It's, it's, it's forgettable. So that tells you something about felony as a band. Yeah. Um, uh, Linnea Quigley said during an interview that she chatted with Vanna White on the set one day. According to Quigley, she seemed very new to the business. It was not; it was only her second role. Uh, she also showed Quigley some crazy pictures of herself posing for some kind of mud wrestling magazine. So Vanna White, yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, very young Vanna White, like this. Well, is, yeah, I mean, you know. Uh, toward the end of the film, when the dead bodies are discovered under the bleachers, Linnea Quigley's decapitated head is never found. That is because she hasn't hadn't been hired yet whenever they shot the scene. Oh, However, yeah. the decapitated head of the actress who she replaced remains in the scene. Hmm, okay. <laughs> and that's all the trivia. I mean, like, it's, it's that's one it. of those type movies. That's it, you know. That's it, y'all. Uh, Death Hall Awards. Uh, we've already discussed some of this, but Final Girl, Anne Ramstead, what do we think about her? They just did the least with her when they had so much potential. She had such a good background to work mm-hmm. off of. Yeah. And, and she is the least effective Final Girl. She doesn't even... She doesn't even do what Jamie Lee Curtis does. I mean, Jamie Lee Curtis technically in in Prom Night is never really attacked except for the end of the movie by the killer. Yeah. Yet she still t- she still takes the killer out and is chased multiple is, is for a long good long time by the killer. And all she does is happen to trip backwards, to my recollection, and then as she does, causes something to move and the killer to get impaled on spikes that he had already like yeah left out himself. Yeah. That's that's exactly my recollection of what happened, and the problem. The, I'll say this: I'll give I'll give her we'll give her a little boost. We'll give her a running start, if you will. <laughs> but I'm, um, she was in the navy, and the navy is known. The navy and the marines, I think, are known for their gorgeous women because they're basically girl military. Yeah, you got your brute guys in the Marines, but you... No, excuse me, I take that back. Navy and the Air Force. Air Force, yeah, that makes sense. Have the gorgeous women. And so it makes sense she was in the middle. They're the most gentle 
in terms of military, they're good for women, basically. So she didn't come back a badass. You need to go to the Army or the Marines for that. You know, I hate to say it. Um, she had some gams on her. I mean, that scene in the beginning where that skeezy truck driver is like, you know, squeezing her thighs. She's got some good thighs. I'll yeah. That much, oh, no, but. definitely. She definitely did. But that it apparently did not help her in this at all. But like <laughs> when they help were her run whatsoever, I'll were give her that much. Setting her up and she's in the Navy. I'm like, oh, she's going to come and solve this mystery for her sister. And she ended up being like a coward the whole time. So she never lost. She never gained anything from the military, really, I guess. Uh, None of her past trauma from her stepfather ever comes back to help her, like, mm -mm. make her, like, curious and, you know, or anything. Yeah. None of it. She gets nothing from that. And not only that, but she's, at the end, she, like, she runs. She literally runs away from it all. And it's like, okay, that's probably more realistic if we're thinking about it. We want her to be this crazy heroine, but she's not built for it. Yeah, and I mean, she just doesn't, like, I mean, if you're, you're talking about, like, the trope of the final girl, like, she just doesn't fit any of the yeah. good parts about it. I mean, like, she doesn't experience much trauma at the hands of the of the killer. Like, it's it's the same thing with Jamie Lee Curtis in Prom Night. It's literally at the end of the movie that she ever, because they're setting her up throughout the movie as being one of the killers, so they don't really, like, she never interacts. Yeah. Uh, just like in prom night, like she interacts with the killer, like on friendly terms, because, you know, it was her sister's boyfriend, like they knew each other. So, I mean, it, you know, there's that whole thing. Yeah. And then <clears throat> when you get toward the end of the movie, like, well, like we said, she doesn't reverse any, she doesn't like take back any of like her, you know, like lost power from the killer. So mm-hmm. like she does nothing. She's just there, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, our slasher Kevin, like bottom of the barrel. Yeah. Like, I mean, he's he's totally a Norman Bates ripoff, but done in such a carbon. Co- he's a carbon copy of a carbon copy. He's like if you took, because uh, I watched Dodgeball last night again, ah! that fucking movie. Uh-huh. Uh, if you take uh, Vince Vaughn, his version of Psycho, which oh, is terrible, yeah. and you carbon copied that, then you get Kevin. You know, pretty much. Like that, like that movie Multiplicity, it's like, you know, when you get the, the copy of the clone of the clone, it's like, you know, you look at him, it's like, I like pizza thief. Like, yeah. That's all you get out of him. Like, that's that's it, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, and not only that, but, like, Kevin is such a boring name. He was a Kevin. boring, Kevin was a boring name, and Kevin was a boring slasher. He was a boring slasher. He had no, uh, he had no look to him that was worth anything. With it, which honestly, the killer in prom night didn't either. I mean, it was that classic giallo look for that one. Yeah. And in this one, it was like basically another giallo look where, because I think I've seen this in at least one giallo where the 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 killer puts on a fencing mask to cover up his identity. That's that's what Kevin does. That's, yeah. That's literally it. Like, there's mm-hmm. no, the killer in Girls Not Out at least used a you know the bear suit. That, yeah. that makes you stand out. So <laughs> yeah. Um, best kill in the movie. I mean, we're scraping the ball in the barrel to find anything good about it. But I, I, Pete falling on the spikes after pole vaulting is a. It's different. Yeah. Uh, it's it's not done well, but it's it's different. I mean. Well, and that's uh, the thing is like, who does the pole vault without checking the mat? first uh, yeah uh, it's these overachieving track stars i mean they they really need to uh do a better job of checking the scene before they do what they do i mean yeah. that's all i can say and then a possible runner-up would be tony fisk decapitation but it's so bad looking yeah i mean it's you know like we talked about lose is a great kill in prom night yeah because that head looks great rolling down like the way they got it lit this is just it's it's got that shitty lighting that night for or day for night lighting that they've got going on, and whenever they do show it, like I mean, it looks like a paper mache. I was gonna say it made. looks like somebody knocked the head off a pinata. <laughs> that's probably what they did. I mean, oh honestly, that's kind of budget they had. Uh, best scream is maybe Vanna White. Yeah, that's the only one I can remember. Uh. Best boobs, Linnea Quigley, only because she's, you know, the only one that shows them, but they're they're very disappointing because they seem to be pre-op you know, <laughs> boobs for her. Linnea so, Quigley. Yeah. 
Yeah, not the best showing for Linnea, but uh, I think there's other, I think there's other slashers that's got her in it that we might see before, or at least I might cover an Attack of the Bees before this is all said and done. So she'll get her assets back at some point, but at least we've got the memory of them from uh, two different nightmare films because they showed the same exact scene, yeah. and, you know, <clears throat> uh, two of them, and she was, they were they were pretty good in those. Um, Steve Buscemi Award, the fellow kids. Uh, you got a lot of older looking people in this movie. Like, I mean, yeah. they're not as bad as in prom night, but they're, they're not great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the, and the people who are supposed to be like just 30 something years old, like the, the people at the school, they look like 50, but uh, we talked yeah, about that already. They look, yeah. We, I guess we don't need to get into that because it's just speaks for itself, you know? <laughs> Like the the coach Michaels guy, like I noticed with he, you could tell that guy was smoking two cartons a day, if not more, because like he's got one of those raspy ass smokers voices. Like he's got it in this and in uh, City uh, City of the Dead or whatever. Uh, when he talks, it's I mean it's I mean you know what I'm talking about. It's just very <laughs> very coarse like, smokers. Yeah, I mean, Sounds like he's been chewing on nails or something before he speaks. It's like, dude, can you smoke any more cigarettes before you get on set? I mean, seriously, come on. Uh, best side character, I guess Blondie, because she's willing to put out, and she's not that bad of a looking woman for being like the school secretary. I mean, maybe. Maybe. Oh, my God. Uh, there's really nobody that's great in this You movie. are really scraping for the. Yeah, I, I know. I'm trying. I'm trying my best for this. Hey, at least you're putting, you're putting in a better effort than this film did, so. That, that is true. That is true. Uh, Franklin Award goes McGregor just because, I mean, he served no purpose in this movie. Like, he literally stole a joint off Linnea Quigley and then her boyfriend, uh, after he saw him, like, uh, cock blocked him on top of that and then he never reappears again for the rest of the film that i'm aware of so because then they bring in halliday later on and he's the one that actually takes out coach michaels so yeah uh worst parent award in this movie uh goes to the stepfather because goddamn that that i mean i would i would say the mother too i mean she's honestly worse because she allows it to go on but seriously yeah <laughs> <clears throat> I mean, at least the parents in the Nightmare films, as bad as they were, they at least, like like Nancy's mom in the first movie, you can tell that she was checked out. Like, she was drunk off her ass, like, every time that she interacted with Nancy. Yeah. But she at least semi-cared about her daughter. Like, this, no. The the Ramstead mother and then Ronald, the the stepfather, they, no. He, he, I mean, I was waiting for him to reveal that he was, a, that he was also molesting the girls, too. Yeah. Like, that's how bad he was. It was, he definitely gave up that, that vibe. Uh, worst adult uh, award in the movie goes to Coach Michaels or Mr. Roberts yeah. because Coach Michaels <clears throat> pushes the kids until they die. And then Mr. Roberts is, I mean, like, he, He's fucking the the girls in his in in the school. I mean, <laughs> he's straight. I mean, I know Dolores initiated, but he's the adult. Yeah, and he gave into it. So, uh, how annoying is a Doom Prophet? There's so many people that's put forth as red herring. Who even the fuck is the Doom Prophet in this movie? Like seriously? Yeah, I don't. I don't even know it, that there it's was. It's almost a like nobody even cares that the kills are going on. That's another thing about this movie that we've not brought up. Like nobody seems concerned that these kids are disappearing. There's one line in the movie where the, the Gugliani is like responding to a phone call in a very shitty way. By the way, yeah, a concerned parents like, "Where's my kids at?" And he's like, "I don't know. It's graduation. They're probably drunk somewhere." Click. Which I mean. <laughs> What what is he supposed to do? Like, if anything, she shouldn't be calling the principal. She should be calling the police. Possibly, but I mean, and then somebody did obviously with Halliday showing up. But still, it's like nobody cares that these kids are just not around, like whatsoever. Uh, different times, I know, because we're used to more yeah. helicopter parenting than you know back in the day. They give you the key to the house and say, "I'm going to be gone all day. You just do whatever the fuck you want to do." So maybe it's different. Times. I have maybe that's what it is. I a don't know, principal but. at my son's school that is very involved with making sure my son is taken care of during the day and things like that. And if my son disappeared outside of school hours, I wouldn't be calling that principal and being like, "Hey, what's up with my son? What's up with you know?" Or a couple of kids from the school disappeared. Like, "Hey, what's going on with your school? You got kids disappearing." Well, that's the thing, though. Some of these. 
some of the kids disappear after a school function. They have like that yeah. school graduation party, and that's when Dolores and Tony get killed, and nobody goes to look for them. Uh, which I, that's kind of that a school, school function? function? Yeah, hour, it's out so, of okay. But the one girl who's killed on the track team before she ever goes to, to like with, during the, have the the pictures with the, uh, the rest of the track team. Yeah, at the, early in the movie, that was during school hours. Like yeah. nobody gave two shits. Like. Yeah, that's teacher, true. There, there was no scene shown of teachers like where where are they at? Like where why is she not? Because I mean, you're talking about oh, uh, somebody who's such an overachiever that she went to get a run in before they took the pictures just so she could be on the top of her game. That girl is not missing class, and if she does, that teacher's going to know. It's like yeah, up. and which is funny because <laughs> it's like this is also back in the day where kids could skip school very easily, and. You know, it, it wasn't a big deal versus when you and I went to high school. Sneaking off a of campus was a fucking, like, it was a special ops mission. At least it was listen, for me. Listen, I was at home throwing up one day due to some kind of stomach virus, and the school called my mother to report that I had a truancy on me. Oh. And, like, my mother was like, he's here. He's sick. Yeah. Start calling. You know, like, oh my God. No. Yeah, that's, well, see, yeah, that's when we were in school, but this was the 80s. This was not a thing this is when they maybe had to start caring because we started getting those commercials where it's 10 o'clock do you know where your children are well that that's the thing mid to late 80s is whenever like yeah walsh kid ended up getting yes. you know decapitated so it changed we started getting uh, faces on milk cartons and everything so this was a little prior to that so yeah. i can under what i'm saying is i can understand the principal being like what the fuck you want me to do you know, I can maybe understand him, but there's nobody, no adult in the town. Yeah, is, that is cares. Worried. Even Halliday's just like, I we think there's a killer, and then, but if you are you Italian, are you whatever? Like they have that whole back and forth that has no fucking sense whatsoever to it <laughs> about which ethnicity they are, and that's all they care about. Like they don't actually. Nobody seems, and that goes to the acting, but nobody seems concerned that these kids are not around. Yeah. <laughs> um. Best red herring in the movie. I mean, Coach Mike, yeah. maybe because he's he seems like somebody who would be doing. And they have that whole scene, which I don't like, and it's stupid. But they have the whole thing where while the killer is trying to kill the person, they're tracking their their efforts to see how if they can beat the track star. Yeah. Well, it makes no fucking sense. Like, what are you doing? Like, I know it's Kevin, but he's trying to beat his dead girlfriend's track record in and how long it takes him to kill somebody. I mean, and, so, and some of those kills, he's like, is he counting in the fact that he has to run after him? Because like he does that scene after he kills Dolores, I feel like, and he runs after her forever. So he didn't get that done in 30 seconds. He yeah. lied. I mean, that's stupid. He lied. You know? <laughs> Oh my As God. a consent, I mean, and they only do it just so they can show that watch, that stop watching the gloves in Coach Michael's desk, so you can be like, "Oh, it's clearly him." You know? Oh yeah. <laughs> and then the dumbest moment, and God knows there's a lot of stupid moments in this movie, is probably Dolores. Uh, she's literally outside the area where the others are located. Just has came from that party. Why she keeps running around in circles in the park instead of going back toward where other people are at? I have no clue. Like that is that's the equivalent in a zombie movie of the lady tripping or like breaking one hill, falling, <laughs> getting up, breaking her hill, falling, and then tumbling down another hill before she gets eaten by the zombie. Like Oh my god, and those are gonna be the movies that scare me. Um, Reverend, she's blonde. <laughs> she is blonde and she's probably stoned, but, but. I I mean, there's only so much that I can uh, disbelief that I can lend to that scenario. Yeah, I mean, and not screaming loud enough that you could get others' attention. So, yeah, I don't it's, know. It's, well, they, they were partying, so they were probably drunk. They were probably playing loud music. Yeah, uh, that's by that true. one band that nobody knows who the fuck they are. Because uh, they were having their skating rink party at some point in this movie. And I think yeah. that's around the time that she sneaks off. But. Oh, my God. This is weird, folks, because we literally, I, I firmly believe, and I'm sad that you didn't get to watch these, I firmly believe that my Attack of the Bees were better than the two movies we watched. It sounds Seriously. like they were better. It sounds like they had a better storyline. It sounds like they had better kills, uh, better visuals. Uh, I mean, the, the acting was better in Prom Night. That's the only thing that I can say about the, that versus yeah. the, my interest in the movies. Yeah. 
So yeah. And I would actually probably, uh, this would be considered a B movie. If we had, if I yeah. had picked this as like the main movie, where this is that, I mean, when you watch this movie, this is clearly a B movie. Like. I was like, I've been duped. Like, <laughs> this is not cool. I know what he's trying to do. He's trying to get me into B movies. Not going to happen. No, I wouldn't have done it by getting you to watch this. That's why I said, if you're going to watch a B movie, watch Hell High. Don't watch this. I mean. Oh my God. This isn't even so bad. It's good. This, I mean. No. Like, you know, Prom Night 2, Hello, Mary Lou is the kind of B-movie that you're like, hell yeah, she's a hoe, she's a vengeful ghost, let's get to it. You know, yeah. like, this is this is not one of those. Um, I'm bringing it back. This was a fucking snooze fest. Oh, my this God. Was this, this was a coma. This was a diabetic <laughs> uh, insulin-induced coma. Oh, it's like I was purposely giving myself too much insulin so I could pass out in the middle of this film. <laughs> uh... <laughs> I, I can't remember the line, but the the if I would rate this the same way that Shorty uh, rated um, uh, Cindy's um, tits or whatever in the uh, oh, scary movie God. two, two thumbs down, orangutan titties. Yeah, you know? and we did see some orangutan titties in both of these films. <laughs> we did, we surely did. That's the thing. So, uh, yeah, don't don't watch these movies, folks. Uh, if you want to watch watch Hell High, it's got some stuff in it. Uh, yeah. I don't know if I Girls Night Out, little more bottom of the barrel, but still not as bad as or I feel like as some of these. And I know I know people hold up Prom Night as being a great movie. I don't know why. Yeah, like, I, it's not one that I personally enjoy watching. I really mm-hmm. don't. I wouldn't put it up there with the classics. They're just saying that because Jamie Lee Curtis was in it, and I guess I respect that, or I understand it. I don't respect it, I should say. She's in another movie that we technically could have covered for January, which is called Terror Train, because they have a whole thing in that where the killer, its they're having, like, her and her class are having, like, this uh, uh, New Year's Eve, like, uh party on a train that's yeah. like going from place to place and the killer keeps changing party masks throughout the oh, movie yeah. or whatever that movie is so fucking boring like i mean <laughs> watch like it's it's better than prom night i'll give it that in yeah. my opinion because it's at least got the killer looks interesting the the kills uh are a little bit different they put some effort into them but i it's, it's another snooze fest for me on that movie but I know people hold it up as another one too, and I think it's just because Jamie Lee Curtis is in it, and you get a very young, uh, was it Copperfield? Is that his name? The the magician? Las Vegas magician? Yeah, or David whatever. Copperfield. Yeah, yeah, he's he's in there, and like okay. he does this whole thing that has nothing to do with the movie. It's just him like uh, pulling like a disappearing person prank or something like that in the middle of the movie. But uh, yeah, I don't. Jamie Lee Curtis had some good slashers, but I don't feel like these, as as much as people try to hold them up, are her best. God, David Copperfield aged real bad. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of funny because, like, I mean, they make it seem like he's a heartthrob and terror train. Yeah. He's doing all these goofy magician tricks for, like, ladies, and I'm like... How much? How much did that actually get him? As far as like you know, uh, I mean, I could see the Chris Angel thing like catching on with the emo chicks or whatever. It's like, oh my god, he's like so like into this or whatever. But like Copperfield was always goofy, like he always was. Like I don't, and they but they paint him as a heartthrob because as he's doing the tricks in Terror Train, like all the women in the audience are like, oh my god, it looks like they're getting ready to just like have to run to the bathroom because of moisture, as it yeah. were, so. jizzing in their pants. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, again, these movies are not the best. So, uh, MST 3k or play drinking games when you watch these. Yeah. Something take some drugs. I don't encourage it at all, but in this case, I'll make an exception. (laughs) Uh, plugs. We've got Leanne to it, right? Is that still a thing? Yeah. Leanne to it. They've been off the past week and I think they're taking this week off too, but I think Noah and I are jumping on tonight to kind of fill in, fill in that gap. So that'll be interesting. I don't know what the fuck we're going to talk about. Uh, and that'll, that'll be live, but it's Sunday night. So, you know, if you don't catch it live, you can catch it on YouTube. Um, that's uh, lean. And then the letter N and then number two, it. So Leanne to it. <laughs> 
yeah, uh, on uh, YouTube until they change their fucking algorithm again and then find some way to uh, strike the channel again like they did before. So Yeah, that'll be interesting. I wonder how that channel got in trouble anyways. I wonder, because I know, like I told you, I, I report our stuff 18 and over. I report when we have uh, adult language, was, which is every episode. You think it's anybody that you might have talked to, like... That was like a friend of a friend or something like that, that like, you know, uh, got butt hurt over something you all mentioned about. Like, Cause I know like on, uh, like, uh, hot mess express or, or whatever, mm-hmm. like it was, you, you brought up some like old, like, you know, stories or whatever, older stories. And like, I don't, did anybody maybe get butt hurt and like, I'm going to file some egregious claim against them or whatever and get them kicked off. It 100% could have been. In fact, we thought it could have been. Hot Mess Express, but the guys swear they are the most, like, they're like, no, we're way, like, worse than, you know, uh, w- way worse language and blah, blah, blah. It's like, I, you're, it's not that much worse if it is. Yeah, yeah. You have, I mean, I guess they have, they've made some, like, Michael Jackson jokes, if you know what I mean. About I've the, heard other things. I've heard other podcasts, though, where they're just as bad. I mean, they yeah. can be just as bad. They, the thing is with the algorithm, I know they'll strike you according to what I've heard, like from Nerdrotic and some of the others. They talk about how if you have cursing of any, like the F word in particular, within the first like 15 to 30 seconds of the video, oh, then God. they'll strike you and uh, demonetize you and all that stuff. But as long as it's not, they've got a percentage too, like yeah. of the overall. You can't be saying FFF, you know, and then like then throw in like another word and then like go drop some like 10 more uh, yeah. F bombs. But as long as it's not within the 15 to 30 seconds, they're generally okay with that stuff. So I don't, I don't know that they were flagged for anything. Um, no, I know in the first two minutes of their podcast, cause they have their opening, their long ass opening. Uh, I know, but it, it's their opening now. I guess it wasn't their opening then. I don't know, but I 100% think it was somebody that we knew that was like, cause we didn't have a lot of followers, you know, not like we're yeah. like a popular, I think, I feel like death holler has more followers now on YouTube then they, and we don't even have a ton of video. Like I haven't uploaded every single video, all the recent stuff and we're still getting, you know, random followers. And it's like, okay, I got to get on that. And in case they are real followers, I don't know, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, so I don't know. I don't know what caused that, but yeah, it's definitely somebody was upset. I personally think that girls hold bigger grudges and are, you know, I think it was someone on Hot Miss Express that didn't like maybe the way we were talking about. In fact, I was telling Kayla this the other day. She's talking about buying uh, or renting a house in a really nice area, and she was calling it ghetto. And it's not It's not ghetto. It's really nice. It's an uppity neighborhood. Yeah. And, and I was like, you remember how we had the whore on our podcast that said, it's not bad to want better things, but know who you are and stay in your lane. She specifically said that. Stay in your lane. Because some woman called in. And was making these claims like, oh, I deserve the best. I don't care what I'm bringing to the table. I, you know, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, mm, you're wrong. Like, you need to, to stay in your fucking lane. Like, you know, you don't want to be with those kind of people anyways that are not part of your, you know, kind, if you will. And not so much color or anything. We're talking about, like, wealth-wise, things like that, you know. Yeah. You, you do. You kind of stay because it's not, I don't know. Anyway, she made this big old thing about it. And that girl was, like, pretty upset about it. And so I was telling Kayla yesterday, I was like, you're talking shit about this neighborhood. I go, I feel like you're actually what could bring down the value of the neighborhood. It is a very nice neighborhood. And you're over here talking shit like you're from the uppity lands. You want to be in uppity lands, and there's nothing wrong with that. But you need to bring it down a notch. I go, you're kind of lucky to be able to be in this neighborhood. <laughs> she's like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> like she's like one of the rich people from Orange County or something that's like yeah. you know, too good for that. It's so funny because she swears she's from the ghetto where she came from originally. And I'm like, mm, I don't think you are if you think that the neighborhood you're moving into is ghetto. I'm going to go with uh, you grew up a little too privileged, too high middle class. You know, and you don't quite know what ghetto is. She, she's got that legit white privilege going on then. She doesn't even realize like how bad things can be. What's that movie that Seth Green was in where he's trying to be like wannabe gangster? Is it Seth Green? Uh, can't Hardly Wait. No, no. Well, yeah, he was that in that movie. But I thought there was another movie he was, actual movie he was in. It was his movie. Um, 
and it might not have been Seth Green. It could have been that other actor that kind of looked like him. Oh, God, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. And, and, and shame on me for mistaking. I know there's another actor that was kind of from his time, too, that uh, it wasn't Seth Green. It had to be the other actor. Why can't I think of the only name? thing that I'm thinking of is uh, where Jamie Kennedy played that uh, yes. Malibu or whatever yes. Malibu's most wanted. That's the only thing that's, that's him. Mind. Jamie Kennedy, Malibu was <laughs> okay. most wanted. That's like, I feel like that's Kayla sometimes. <laughs> Although she doesn't act ghetto. If anything, now she's like, you know, well, she, she says she's from the ghetto. So that's where the Malibu most wanted comes from. But then she's also from Malibu and she thinks that, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, I got you. She's <laughs> doesn't know what real ghetto is. <laughs> so yeah. that'll be interesting i gotta get Never. her on all righty and with that folks peace be with you and with your spirit